Welcome to Health System CIO's podcast interview with Dennis Sutterfield, CIO at SUNY Downstate. I'm Kate Gamble, Managing Editor and Director of Social Media. In this segment, Sutterfield talks about the unique challenges of being an urban healthcare organization, including low adoption of digital tools and multiple language barriers. He also discusses how the leadership team is working to improve outcomes by making strategic investments and promoting transparency. Yeah, so um, you know, looking forward to to talking to you about the organization and what you guys are doing. And are you familiar with Health System CIO? Yeah, you know, I I pay attention on LinkedIn. I I try and listen to a decent amount. I certainly read and pay attention to what you guys are doing. Okay, great. I mean, I think, believe it or not, we actually get so few really tactical and pointed conversations that I'm always searching for and looking to hear what others are doing and doing well that are solving problems. And I think, you know, some of the conversations I've had a chance to listen to take you inside of that with other leaders that look like myself and that are managing similar challenges. And I find that invaluable. Yeah. And it really is so important to be able to share what everyone's doing, but also what the challenges are. And um, we would try to get a decent cross-section of organizations. So um, I'm really looking forward to getting your perspective, you know, being an, an urban medical center. That's not a, a point of view we always get. Yeah. Usually no one programs towards us. And uh, mm-hmm. I'm always surprised given we tend to face the greatest challenges for some of the most needy people that are patients, you know. Yeah, sure. To start off, can you give some information about SUNY Downstate, kind of a brief overview? Yeah, SUNY Downstate. So SUNY, which is State University of New York, is a 64-campus organization. There are three academic medical centers, Stony Brook out on Long Island, upstate in Syracuse, and SUNY Downstate, the southernmost in, in Brooklyn. And we are Brooklyn's only academic medical center. The other 61 campuses are colleges, universities, community college. So we look and feel nothing like those 61. Mm-hmm. And when you compare us against each other, eh, we don't look and feel all too much like each other either. So why is that relevant? Every dollar we spend is New York's taxpayer money. So everything that we do goes through the state of New York from a a governance perspective and an accounting perspective. And we face challenges that the other 61 campuses don't, even sometimes challenges that our peers don't, our other two academic medical centers, and try and get the state to understand the complexity and the uniqueness of an urban academic medical center is quite a challenge, but it's also an ongoing opportunity. SUNY Downstate is 335-bed hospital We are a graduate medical only. We have five schools, the largest being the med school. Very large med school. We produce about a thousand medical students. And if you take a look, there are more SUNY downstate medical school graduates in the state of New York working than any other school by a long, long distance. So very unique, long tradition. Our midwifery program is one of the earliest in the country and still going strong. Um, We sit in an area of Brooklyn and South Central Brooklyn, little Caribbean area. About 60% of our patients speak Haitian Creole, but we have about 50 different languages that are spoken across our patient population. So, you know, we fight some interesting challenges 
in trying to program the old 80-20 rule because of the language complexity that we face yeah. every day. It just, it takes us a little bit more to do the same things as others. We're 86% government pay, I think over 46% Medicaid. So like many urban academic medical centers, we were absolutely doing more with less. Mm. Probably 65% of our employees at Downstate live in Brooklyn and are users of Downstate. And we have a very strong relationship across the street is Kings County Hospital, literally right across the street. I would say they would be considered the true safety net hospital for Brooklyn, um, but we we share resources and see a lot of their patients as well. I think over 70% of our doctors have some practicing relationship with Kings County. Okay. Um, so yeah, it's a very unique and proud organization, been around a long time and really starting to spiral up. Okay. So you mentioned there are so many different languages spoken, so that that's one, but there are a host of challenges, I would imagine, of being an urban medical center. And so could you kind of get into a little bit of that? Yeah, so I came from Temple University Health System in North Philly, so I'm familiar with the urban academic medical center setting. Um, so I've really spent probably the last eight years in this setting, and there are a couple things. One the patient-doctor relationship is, in their eyes, sacred. Um, coming to the doctor is a social event. These are people that often don't have rides. They struggle for food. We get them rides. They get fed. They see people in the waiting room. They converse. And they really want and need to talk to their doctor. So some of the opportunities to provide digital services to urban academic patients are a little bit more difficult than others. We have people that are reluctant to give their email address. Mm -hmm. We have people that don't have the same phone number every 30 days. So something as simple as the patient portal that most organizations leverage highly through their electronic medical record, we probably have less than 10% adoption of that, even though with information sharing, we are pumping out tremendous amount of information for our patients to use in their medical journey, whether they do it at Downstate or other organizations. Hmm. So there, there are just things that we know are gonna take longer because we need to explain them more in depth. And obviously everything we do is about the trust between that patient and, and physician relationship. Uh, so we take that very seriously and we wanna make sure that at no point, you know, we fracture that. So. That's where there are times that things take a little bit longer. Also, very much like urban academic medical centers, about 80% of our patients come through our ED. So our ED is insanity. Yeah. We are working, like everyone, we're working very hard to identify programs and opportunities for social determinants of health and to get our patients that are in critical need connected to community-based organizations that can provide food or housing or counseling or things of that nature. Um, so my philosophy has always been to run to where the challenges are and urban academic medical center certainly presents those challenges. Um, yeah. 
And when you have, when you're not reaching out through, you know, the typical digital means that we're hearing so much about portals and, and, you know, phones, I would imagine that's a big part of your strategy is figuring out how to reach patients, how to reach the community. Yeah, you know, we were lucky enough, um, we wrote a grant proposal, New York City did a, an open notes collaboration, um, and we received a grant for $50,000, and it was all about how do we best get our patients to allow us to provide them additional information, mostly through our patient portal, but what that means to them and what value does that add to their medical journey? Um, so we spent about the last year working through that. It was a fantastic program. It actually just came to an end. And what we found is that we would have pockets of success, but not a lot of long-term sustainability. Hmm. Obviously, when we can impact the younger caregivers of those families that are taken care of, aunts and moms and dads and so on and so forth, we tend to have more success with digital opportunities than we do with the actual patients themselves. Um, we also have a, a scenario at Downstate, and this was very similar to Temple, where we have patients that have been coming here for 40, 50 years. They want to call their doctor. They yeah. want to call and talk to someone. They get confused by an electronic opportunity, and it, it's, hard to, it's hard to make them to feel safe without them feeling uneducated. And that's certainly a really fragile equation there. We never want to offend them. We certainly want to offer opportunity that they can take advantage of to make things easier. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, our call center is overwhelmed. Yeah. And so when you do have those pockets of success, is that something that you have tried to build upon, whether it's somebody who's younger or has more access to technology and, and trying to go from there? Absolutely. The, the hardest part in, is in a do more with less organization, we don't have all the roles. So I'm the yes. chief information officer. I guess technically I'm the chief digital officer, the chief analytics officer, and, and a few others. And I'm not saying that to say, whoa, is Dennis. What I'm saying is that many of our senior leaders even our managers and directors have a large portfolio. Yeah. So the marketing of our successes and that communication to our patients is a little bit less timely for us than if we had a bigger marketing department or some other people and or tools to do so. So we certainly do that. Hard to measure right now how effective it is. There's a really important point about SUNY Downstate too. So SUNY Downstate during the height of COVID from March until uh, June or July of 2020 was named by the city of New York as a COVID-only hospital. Oh. I believe it's the only COVID-only hospital that was designated in the United States. So what that did is obviously our entire practice became about COVID, which yeah. it was already. But our ability to do orthopedic surgery, cardiology, all the things that we want and need to do was put on hold. So when you translate that to a large patient base that English isn't their first language and already a bit of distrust and confusion about what COVID was, how it was being treated safely, how it's caught, this, that, and the other thing, we've been incredibly slow to rebound 
from a patient throughput perspective. It caused significant impact to our operating income as a hospital, well over $100 million a year. Um, and what we're working really hard to do now is build back that volume and get that message back out to our patients. Uh, and it's working. You know, we're starting to see volumes that are finally back to 2019 levels and, and somewhat above. So we've been marketing a lot of positive things that Downstate is doing, but it just takes time. You and I read something, we go, oh, that's interesting. And we may actually click on a link and go out and do it in 30 seconds. We just don't have that patient population. It often comes through two or three conversations and answering a bunch of questions and things of that nature. Um, okay. So once you were able to accept patients again, that weren't COVID patients, was that something that happened gradually? I, I can imagine yeah. that was really tough. Well, and it's so ongoing, you know, again, if yeah. you look at volumes, you know, we have over 50 specialty clinics at downstate. We do some really unique and great things. Some of those volumes just aren't back to where they were in 2019. So it has been a gradual, gradual build. There are multiple, I've been at Downstate for 18 months. The CEO of the hospital, Dr. David Berger, um, who was a large reason in my decision to join, he's been here a little over two years. There are a lot of senior leaders in President Riley's team that are newer to Downstate. Uh, we've all arrived in and sort of picked up on his vision, you know, President Riley's vision. And Dr. Berger certainly come in from a hospital perspective and set a vision and a strategic plan with seven different pillars. And we've also embarked uh, on a high reliability organization journey, which is something I also went through a temple uh, run by Press Ganey. And all of these things are really about patient safety, zero patient harm, all that goes with that and taking a look at improving efficiency, quality numbers, just all the things that we should be doing. And, and I think perhaps Downstate was doing just in a less organized way. What that has done is during my tenure, significantly improved scores in a variety of ways in all those areas. Uh, we just had joint commission in last week and had an outstanding survey compared to the survey that they had had three years ago, the surveyors were like, this is virtually a different hospital. Um, yeah. And that's a direct result of all the hard work of obviously the staff buying into the vision and changing the culture and the accountability of downstate from a hospital perspective. And don't get me wrong, the deans and, and everyone, the research component, everyone is really involved in that. You know, we're focusing a little bit on the hospital. But the concept of one downstate is certainly alive and well. And I think we're starting to, again, spiral up and see those results in a variety of tangible and measurable ways. So you, you came to the organization September of 21? Yes. Sorry. It's okay. Okay. So can you talk about some of the steps that, that you guys did take to try to address all these challenges? I think, I think it all started with Dr. Berger from a hospital perspective, working with the senior leadership to find the why and the what of downstate and put together this vision and this strategic plan and these seven pillars. You know, I think every employee now understands how they connect to the direction and the vision of the hospital. Um, very important. Second 
he and and all of us listened to what had been going well prior to COVID, really worked hard to understand what the opportunities were, and then start to chunk them off. And, and third, you have to measure it, right? Like you have to be accountable, call things from a, as much as you can, independent third-party lens and say, here's what we are and who we are, and here are the numbers and here are the metrics, and here are the things that we need to do better, and then plot a plan to start doing those things better. For instance, we became a visiting organization uh, that has helped tremendously with the quality component of our organization. We brought in a consultant to help us prepare for joint commissions. That was about a 10-month program. We, the hospital engaged Optum to look at a variety of financial things. So I, I think everyone understands that we have to have business partners that can show us and our staff the way. And they do that with industry benchmarks and best practices that we have gladly adopted. But I think the first most important thing was to actually define who Downstate was, take an honest look in the mirror and say, we all collectively agree we want and need to do better, and then plot that path to being better. And I think, you know, as, as CIO, one of the things I've always tried to do is make sure that my IT staff know how we're connected to every component of that strategic plan and to that tactical ability to do better, whether it's in the research area, whether it's in our academic area, or whether it's in our, our hospital area. But I, I certainly think it all starts with the, the vision and the message. So um, was a lot of it about just trying to improve efficiency or just kind of improve the way things were done? Or what do you think was kind of like really the, the big things that needed to, to be addressed? There's been a tremendous turnover, historical turnover in leadership mm. of downstate. Um, there is a culture of, we know that leaders are going to come in, they're going to bring some consultants in, they're going to tell us what we're not doing well. And there were times where the employees at downstate said, well, we'll just wait this person out because we know in two years they won't be here. Right, right. What I think Dr. Berger and President Raleigh have done is they've gotten from the top level to the lowest level and really gotten a commitment from each employee that that's not acceptable anymore. That's not the way we're going to do business anymore. We're here to care for needy patients. We're here to educate you know, important new medical leaders and do cutting edge research that improves our community. So they, they spent a lot of time and effort in making sure this just wasn't an exercise for doing it. The other thing is they recognized to get out, you have to make strategic investments. You know, I inherited significant technical debt and mm. woeful infrastructure and department level systems that hadn't been upgraded for 15 versions. And this is not because the IT staff didn't know that these things needed to happen. It's that they weren't able to perhaps get the leadership to hear their message or understand how it connects. These technical yeah. deficiencies prohibit you from seeing the data that allows you to improve your quality numbers or this or that. So 
a large part of my role is advanced storytelling and making sure that our senior leadership is crystal clear that there's a people process and system component to all of these programs. And if you ignore one of the three or two of the three, it's not going to work. Um, yeah. So we've been very strategic about our, our technology investments. We've teed up a lot going forward. Um, we have probably executed on over 150 projects during my 18-month tenure. Some of them 80 to 100 hours, some of them eight months. Um, so I think just, again, connecting, making sure that the president, the senior leadership of, of the organization, and then certainly the senior leadership of the hospital are critically aware that we all have to pull this forward together. And to do that, we're going to have to spend some money that in the past was deferred. Yeah. But it seems like even if you did come in and say, okay, these are the investments we need to make, and this is what's going to work, you can't do that until you've laid the groundwork and changed the culture. I like what you said about advanced storytelling. I think that that's it's so important to be able to do that. Yeah, I mean, that's IT governance, right? So the first thing I did was set up governance from a, a clinical perspective and an academic perspective and a research perspective. Define what's not working. What are our biggest problems? I had a pretty good idea what our biggest problems were. But you need to hear from your customers. You need to actually spend the time. Again, I'm not patting myself on the back, but I met with every chair. I met with over 60 leaders across the organization. I had several chairs who had been there over 30 years and said, this is the first time a CIO ever sought me out to ask me what's going well and what I need. Oh, wow. And I thought to myself, boy, that seems like table stakes, right? Like, mm -hmm. how do we fix or how do we help our organization if we haven't defined our problems and haven't you know, asked our, our leaders what's going well, what's not going well. Um, so when collectively 30 or 40 leaders are acting in that same manner, it, it certainly gets buy-in and it certainly helps engagement. And then obviously, Kate, you got to do some things, right? You got to fix some things for those customers so that you get some buy-in and they see that there is a plan here and that they're a little bit more willing to wait if things are going to take an extra week or two. Uh, and without question, you have to be incredibly transparent in communication. You know, I want and need my staff to know everything I know. Yeah. They, two things, they need to be empowered to make the decisions that they need to. And they need to know whether it's, hey, budget's not good right now. We're not spending any money for 30 days. Or, or hey, our, and this literally just happened. Our transplant program just got accredited by Optum as a center of excellence. And by the way, Downstate is the only, only transplant center in Brooklyn for 3 million people. Oh, wow. And our kidney transplant program is just taking off. So whether everyone hears that, whether everyone absorbs all of that, you still got to put it out there, right? Yeah. We hear sometimes about how you do have to get those quick wins just to start to build that trust. And it sounds like that's a big part of what you were doing as well. Yeah, listen, you're the new person. You're the risk in the room. People can read my resume. Doesn't mean that I did those things that I said I did those things. So part of it is about, you know, showing my, my technical ability and, and my business acumen and, and that I keep my word and 
just all the things that we try to do as, as regular good people. These are common sense things, but believe it or not, I think what it has done is broken down some of the silos of miscommunication. Um, Cause the grapevine is still strong, Kate, right? Yeah. Like even in the virtual world, there's still storytelling. Well, you want to make sure that your story is heard and you want to face the questions. And I'm always amazed at, you know, the senior leadership of our organization answering the good, bad, and the ugly, but being honest about where we are and, and where we're going. Yeah. Yeah, that's huge. And you had said that prior to this, you were at Temple. Did you you feel like that the experience that you had there did set you up well for this as far as, you know, being willing to really do this heavy lifting? Invaluable. You know, I engaged with Temple in August of 2015 as a consultant while I was at PwC. And it was certainly, it's a five hospital organization. And it was, I used to call it CEO veto. You would have IT governance. Everyone would be in the room. Everyone agreed this is what we're going to do as an enterprise. We'd walk out of the room and the five CEOs would do whatever the heck they wanted. And I'm not judging those. The, for They did that for many reasons that Dennis nor IT will ever know. Um, but the systemness that started to occur, uh, and I was brought in to help um, get live the first ever integrated clinical system across all campuses. The project had been stalled for two years. They didn't even know where they were at. And we were able to work with their team to get it live in about seven months. Um, and then subsequently, you know, because oftentimes organizations use large technology-based projects as organizational change management. Uh, they update job descriptions. They weed some people out who need to retire. They bring new technology in. They address poor workflows. They tighten controls and system. Um, and there's a lot that goes into this. Um, and by the time I left, you know, we had enterprise lab, enterprise radiology, enterprise electronic medical record, document imaging. Um, done a lot of work on the technical and infrastructure side to consolidate and to and, and to get similar systems across the organization. So yeah, I owned all the applications for the five hospitals at, at that system and worked under some tremendous leaders um, and learned and got an opportunity to be a part of really riding the crest of, of, of technology projects, helping organizations spiral up and do well. Um, and I, I felt that was applicable to the scenario at Downstate and they felt it was as well. Yeah. And I was elated that they grant, you know, granted me the opportunity to come in and, and play this role for them. Yeah. Yeah, certainly uh, there's risk involved always, but uh, um, you know, you, when it's the right opportunity, it, it seems like, you know, you really have to go for it. But yeah, you definitely did take a risk, though, coming into uh, SUNY Downstate. Well, you know, I, I did, but I didn't. And, and, and the reason I say this, it, so, so I actually work for the chief administrative office officer on, on the campus side. Her name's Heidi Aaron. And obviously, she was the first person I got a chance to interview with um, as she would be my boss. And the story she told 
and the values of downstate are very similar to the values of Temple. Mm -hmm. I was born and raised in East Baltimore and City Hospital was a couple blocks from where I grew up. It's now John Tompkins Bayview. So the, the concept of a urban hospital in a community and what it means to that community is something I grew up with and I, I've, you know, it, it's a big part of who I am. So it makes sense to me. Um, yeah. And I can easily understand the, the mission of that organization and identify with it. And then subsequently want to be a part of making that organization thrive. But it was the leadership at Downstate that collectively um, provided me the hope that, that everyone was swimming in the same direction and was looking to make it a better organization. Um, and yeah. it took work for Heidi and Dr. Berger and President Riley and with all of the deans that had come in from around the country. And yeah, just, just really a fantastic senior leadership team. Yeah. And I know didn't get into too much about, um, you know, where, where you see things down the road, but uh, just wanted to maybe wrap up by saying, like, asking if there's anything that, that, you know, you're really hoping that, that the team organization will move towards in the next like year or so. You know, I think we've defined our roadmap. You know, we have um, ERP system coming into our organization for the first time. We have an electronic medical record vendor, the future decision to make, and we're close to making that. We have um, a variety of, we're moving to the cloud with AWS. And so I, I think that we, you know, I've been able to come in and pick up some of the bones of the plans that were there, work with my senior leadership team to really put them to action. Um, so I think our next two years are really, really laid out for us. Uh, it's about execution. It's certainly also about upskilling our current IT staff, retaining those staff, uh, ideally getting some additional staff. Um, and, you know, I, I think as you start to spiral up, the energy gets contagious the opportunity. It's an easy story. If I'm recruiting you to come, I, I can tell you a story where you can come in and work for me for even if it's two years and have an opportunity to play a leadership role in some very important and, you know, legacy defining projects. Um, you won't be sitting in the ticket queue. You're going to get to be on the front lines of, of, of helping a transformation. Um, so that's the opportunity. And, and I, I think we all collectively see it and are, are marching towards it. Um, and yeah, yeah I, I think, and actually the president has thought even much further down the road than, than two years, but in the technical world, I think you get past two years, who knows what will change, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. It's not, not, doesn't make sense anymore to have the, the long, long-term roadmaps when <laughs> things, as you say, evolve so quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's great. It sounds like um, you guys have some, you know, have, have a really good foundation for moving forward. And um, I hope I can connect with you a bit down the road to see how things are going. Of course. Of course. Yeah, it'd be wonderful. I really appreciate you reaching out to me and a little bit of a chance to tell our story. And, you yeah. know, 
academic medicine, we work on both ends of that continuum. I have stuff that's so old that, especially I have a mainframe, that I can't find anybody to work on it. On the other side of the continuum, we're doing some crazy cool cutting edge stuff in both the clinics and the research setting. And um, it's it's fascinating and challenging and um, it's where the, the complex problems are. So yeah. uh, I, I really, really enjoy what we're doing and being a part of it. Yeah. Yeah. That's really interesting. And um, yeah. And thanks for giving us, giving this perspective. I think it's, it's so important to, to hear about, um, you know, the, the unique challenges, but also opportunities that you guys have. Yeah. Vendors have to work harder to be our business partner and we want them and we need them, but you can't just take it out of the box and hand it to urban academic medical centers. You gotta, you know, they got to do their homework and they got to really think critically about how to adapt and adopt for us. And they're, they're certainly willing to do that. And we have, we need their help. We need these partnerships um, because we don't have all the talent in house and we don't have the, all the knowledge in house. Um, but yeah, we do confound people after a conversation or two. They're like, wow, we never thought of that. Yeah. All right. Um, well, yeah, thanks again. I appreciate it. And um, I will definitely be in touch soon. And and like I said, would love to talk again down the road. Sounds good. Thank you for listening to this podcast from healthsystemcio.com. To hear other podcasts, visit our website or subscribe to our account in iTunes at healthsystemcio.com backslash podcast.